everybody. Welcome into Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast here on FingerLakesMorning.com. I am Paul Russo. Joining me as always, Kyle Evans. Kyle, we are here at Thursday, the last day without baseball for the foreseeable future into the fall, luckily. Um, we'll touch on, obviously, a couple different things, but uh, how did you enjoy the uh, All-Star festivities in Seattle? Yeah, I thought it was... I thought it was pretty fun to watch. Um, I, the home run derby final wasn't any of the guys that I wanted to win, so it was like, eh. And the All-Star game, eh, wasn't as good as some others. Um, I think maybe just because Garrett Cole was the Yankees' lone representative with Judge Hurt. Um, but, yeah, it was it was also nice to have, like, last night totally off mm-hmm. and just relax. You know, baseball's a grind every single day. Um, but, yeah, what would you think of it? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I have some pet peeves with the Home Run Derby coverage. Um, ESPN sucks. It, anyway. it was brutal. It yeah. was brutal. I. It's interesting because me and Nick actually discussed it a little bit yesterday. But, like, I know he brought up if you go back to 10 outs, you'd be able to see everyone. Like, I don't even know the way ESPN does it if that's going to make a difference. Like, they were just not doing good. Um, Eduardo Tracking Press. or anything like that. I, I don't know. See, for me, I could, for me, I could have gone either way, I think, there. I think for me, that was just the, the way they were producing it and, and shooting it out was, was tough. But, um, yeah, I mean I, I mean, I don't know if they if you're the MLB. It's the only all-star, I guess, events as the whole, like, unit, I guess, right? You know, how we have, like, all, all-star weekend for the NHL and NBA, the Pro Bowl stuff. But MLB is the only one who has it across multiple networks, you know. And I don't know. I just don't know if that's the right move for it at this point. Um, you know, the a lot of the prelim stuff going into Monday in the Home Run Derby were, were on Peacock or MLB Network. Um, the Derby itself, obviously, I need to spend the All-Star game on Fox. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I think if you want a better product, I think it's got to be streamlined to, to one channel or one one buying entity at that point. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. It was a tough viewing experience. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's still better than, like, watching, remember, the Pro Bowl and the NFL. Now it's flag well, football. That, that's, a, that's a completely different so situation. It, <laughs> so it, yeah, but I mean in terms of watching experience, right. it's still better than that. I mean, come fair, on. Fair, fair. Um, and then the NHL All-Star game is much better. Uh, so I, I don't know. I still think the All-Star weekend for Major League Baseball is the best out of all four major sports. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the broadcast was, as you said, tough to watch. Um, but ESPN does a terrible job in general. I mean, look at the NHL broadcast on there. They're not any better. Um, and and the whole pregame hosts and stuff with all the other sports just not good, um, but yeah, I mean I'm I'm still I'm sure a lot of people still tuned in though. Mm. Yeah, I think it was technically the lowest rated All Star game. I think it was. It uh, was. It, yeah. I didn't see any stats yet. Yeah, the early the early indications weren't good, but I don't know. I still enjoyed. it. I thought it was pretty good nonetheless and everything. So we're gonna have to do know. some research on yeah. the numbers. Speaking of that, Samson Podcast Business. I think a couple of sponsors, including Dr. Jeffrey Halstead, DMD. Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been candy was hometown dentist for more than 35 years, offering routine dental care as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures by their highly trained and experienced staff. 
You can visit them online at CandidateWithDentistry.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram and Generations Bank. Generations Bank has been serving the financial needs of the Finger Lakes region since 1870. Generations combines the best of modern banking with dedication to our local communities. Whether you are looking for a checking account, CDs, a home improvement loan, you name it, we have what you need. We are committed to serving and giving back to our communities. You can visit online at mygenbank.com, Generations Bank, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. So it's probably going to be, in theory, a short podcast today. Uh, obviously, there's not a ton to talk about because, well, every team's been off. But we're going to talk about, I think, you know, the expectations, what we kind of want to see from both the Yankees and the Mets uh, in the second half of the year. Um, maybe go over some possible trade targets, um, stuff like that. So, um, like I said, probably will be a little bit on the shorter end today, uh, but sometimes that happens from time to time. So, uh, let's jump right in. And I actually want to begin with the Mets for the second half because we have been banging this drum for, I said it, yesterday to somebody for like two months about really both teams at this point but really the Mets where you know I, I know I was a late arrival on it but really it's been an underwhelming first half of the year for the Mets uh, and that would be putting it bluntly um, even probably too easy to be quite honest um, one of the highest payrolls in baseball had the most spending this offseason did not go uh, and show the results in the first half they expected. They currently are 42 and 48, fourth in the NL East, and 18 and a half games back in the division. It's tough to gauge, I think, a proper expectation sometimes given how we thought this team should be and given where they are. Uh, so to me with the Mets, they have a very small window because of the way the wild card is. It's in my mind, a small window to make a quote-unquote playoff push here. That's about to start tomorrow on Friday, right? And not to jump too far ahead, right? They play the Dodgers. In theory, it's not going to be easy, but who knows? You know, the second half for the Mets is going to be determined in this first seven to ten days out of the All-Star break and how they will approach, in my mind, August 1st trade deadline, and then obviously at that point, what is your season goal? What is your plan for the rest of the way? Um, I'm still on the front of no matter what at the end of the day, bring up Vientos, bring up Mauricio. I, at this point, bring up Budo. I mean, uh, you can't – to me, he's about to fall into the Thomas Sapucky category of what is he, what isn't he. Um, so for me – I think the expectations for the Mets is I expect them to be a little bit experimental. I expect them to at least for the next, like I said, seven to ten days, plan as if they're going to be buying at the deadline. But my expectation, true expectation, is for them to technically be sellers at the deadline. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think uh, in the next couple of weeks things will improve enough for them to go out and – you know, buy pieces. Uh, so, yeah, I would say there's going to be some trades. Not a lot, though, I would I would say. Um, maybe a, a veteran guy will, will, you know, get traded or something. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Mets are just going to kind of stand still and just basically ride it out the rest of the way. Um, 
you know, this this first half of the season just really uh, buried them in the standings. They have gained a little ground over the last week or two, um, but not enough to really go all out. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, and we'll jump into this a little bit here in a second because this portion is going to overlap some Yankees stuff too, especially some news that kind of came out today. But obviously both the Mets and the Yankees are going to be one of the higher – bidders here for Shohei Otani, whether it's at the trade deadline or into the offseason. And that's going to be a plan uh, of action. Steve Cohen, Billy Upler, Buck Showalter, owner to GM to manager. Um, I don't want to say Buck is going to be managing for his job quite yet. Only because, like, I, I, and this is the part I fall back on something that I said a few weeks ago where I don't think Buck is the real issue here. Uh, obviously, it does fall on him, right? He's the leader, at least on the ground floor of it. Somebody's got to be held accountable. But remember when we were discussing, right, about how would, if, if he was fired in season, would it change anything? And I, I, I kind of stand by the fact that I don't think it does. And I kind of lean on the fact that I don't think it does necessarily even into the offseason appear to be a relief of his duties. Um, and this can kind of, I think, tie into maybe some of the trade deadline stuff here about the Mets is where, where is this actual problem lying with them? And I go back to the clubhouse stuff still, and I think that's where you'll see. And I, I would trade, not to, again, jump too far ahead. I know – we, we both are kind of in agreement on the Scherzer front, but I'd also trade Verlander at this point if you can find a suitor. I mean, something about some of these veteran guys, some, I, I don't get what's not clicking here. Uh, the Mets, for the most part, are a veteran-laden group, you know, outside of Alvarez and Beatty at this point. I mean, McNeil's a vet, Lindor's a vet, Pete at this point's a vet. You can't, I, you can't zig around it. Marcana's a vet, Marte's a vet, Nimmo's a vet, right? And obviously pretty much everybody in the pitching staff's a vet outside of I me, mean, maybe Brooks O'Reilly, if you want to be technical about some things, and the guys that they've been doing on the Syracuse shuttle. Um, so for me, I, I don't know if you drain the clubhouse necessarily all the way down right away here at the trade deadline if things go sideways, and well, not sideways, but you know, in the next 10 days, things continue on the same path. I would probably just see, I would put every veteran more or less available on the market outside of Alonzo and Nimmo, I would do. And I only do the Nimmo one because you just signed to that, obviously, contract in the offseason. I think for the most part he's been doing, it kind of falls in the P categories. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can really pin anything necessarily on them per se, They're, I think now some of the parts they play in might be part of the problem, but they aren't, they aren't the major factors to me in that clubhouse. Yeah, for me, the Yankees and Mets have similar problems. The only difference is the Yankees have the pitching and consistent pitching. The Mets will have a, have a, a good game where they, they pitch really well, and then they don't hit. It's the opposite of what the Yankees do. The Yankees usually always pitch well. Um, so, yeah, it's a, guy of, it's a team of underperforming veteran guys that just – if you look at their numbers uh, from last year to this year, they're just way different. And, uh, 
you know, guys like Marte and, and uh, McNeil have really been bad this year um, for the most part. I mean, they've had their stretches like everyone does. But, yeah, it's just a team full of underperforming veterans and pitching that is just terrible and the bullpen is at the bottom of the league and you can't win games with a bullpen that's bad no. because even if you score runs, you're probably going to give it away late and that's kind of what it's been all year. Mm. And, yeah, they tried to go out and make a minor trade and – I think in two appearances, he's thrown the ball well. Trevor Gott, right, is his name. Um, but that's not enough. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's where the Mets are at right now. Different, different, A little bit different spot than the Yankees, but similar in, in terms of results with their veteran players. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, a fair assessment in that sense for, for both teams, really. I mean, and obviously the Yankees stuff will jump on to, right, but we've seen the Yankees kind of make some at least – changes right with Sean Casey being the new hitting coach or leaving Dylan Lawson um, obviously we'll jump into that a little bit more too here in a minute but um, I feel like if there was a team that probably would have should have done it, it shouldn't have been the Mets to kind of do something too I, and I don't know what that where that kind of maybe falls though I mean I feel like if you're a fire one positional coach in this sense, as we'll call it in this situation, right? I feel like the other one is equally as culpable. No? Right? I mean, like, I just, the Mets, for whatever reason this year, and this is why I go back to is like, I just can't completely write them off for some reason in the back of my mind. And I know I should, and I know, like, I even, like, I'm saying out loud that I pretty much am writing them off. But, like, there's something in the back of my mind that just won't allow me to do that. And I, I don't know what quite it is at this point. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but there's just so many teams right now that are around them that they have to get up, get above. And, I mean, do we really see the Padres continuing to do this with the way their roster is? Like, that's a team right there that's hovering right around the Mets. And, I mean, yeah, they, they had some success against the Padres before the All-Star break, but, um, like, I just I don't, I don't see how the Padres with that roster can continue to be this bad. I don't know about you, but um, obviously we've heard the Juan Soto rumors and stuff mm -hmm. with the Yankees, but for me, that's – I don't think that's happening. No. I, a lot I, of money to absorb. I think the Padres will figure it out and win enough where they won't be selling guys like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that, that's just me. I just feel like there's too much te uh, teams around them. And, like, who knows what the Giants are going to do with the deadline. And the Giants, you know, are above them too. There's just so many teams that are above them that they have to get over. And if those teams make trades, it's like, can they really do it? I think there's seven out right now, um, which is not crazy, but it's not good. I think part of it is if the Mets wanted to make moves, they should have really been trying to kick tires sooner on stuff, right? And nothing against Trevor Gott. But that's a depth move, more or less, for, for more arms. You know, it's not – God, I can't believe I'm saying it this way. It's not Rolfus Chapman. You know what I mean? Where the Rangers went out and just like, hey, we're going to get ahead of the curve here on this and grab a guy. I, I just – I don't know. And I think that's where part of it, too, is I feel like maybe Epler kind of feels like he's just trapped in this middle ground right now of – I'll give him another shot here, and then we'll make that decision. But if you're Epler, I, I don't think you can be relaxed. I feel he's more in a hot seat situation than maybe Buck is. 
Now, to be fair, the one thing that is probably the biggest glaring issue with the Mets is something behind the scenes that we have talked about here, I think, a couple times, but not extensive. It's the fact that they just don't have a president of baseball ops right now. You know, they don't have really at the end of the day the, that ultimate buck stops here guy. Um, that kind of falls on Billy Epler in a way, even though that's not really his position. But it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, is it Billy Epler or is it Steve Cohen who who has that buck stops here title? And I feel like neither one of them, to be frank, knows. And for all the credit we do give Steve Cohen, I think we should probably criticize him a little bit here in this spot where if you're going to spend the way he spent, I think you got to back it up here at some point by making some sort of change or in the situation of baseball ops, I know he said he wanted to wait until the off season, go and grab a guy. You have the money to pony up and do it. Go ahead and do it. Back it up again. You know, I, there's a, there's, Pardon the pun for Buck Showalter in this situation, but there's no buck stop here right now with the Mets. And I think that, for me, probably is their biggest problem. Well, alone the stuff on the field, the veteran stuff, but at the end of the day, in those suites at City Field, they, nobody appears to be uh, taking any of the flack or, or giving out any of the flack. Yeah, I agree with you there. It just seems like uh, everyone in the front office and, you know, Steve Cohen just – seems like they're just relaxed like yeah they they don't nobody likes losing but they don't seem like they're uh you know very either worried or aggressive is maybe the word they just are kind of sitting back nobody's going to lose their jobs uh you know the players they they believe in all their veteran players and they think they're going to figure it out um and yeah it just seems like everything's just calm and usually when you know you have the highest payroll in baseball and you're seven game what are they seven games under 500 uh, yeah. You would think they would, you know, there'd Six. be yeah. more aggressiveness, and and you know, in the front office and with uh, the owner, but that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, and I think you, Paul.com, I want to throw some chaos in here, and start this dialogue. Um, the Mets portion of it, they are expected to be a suitor for Shohei Otani, more so in the off season, and we'll get to the trade deadline stuff here with it, but. I think if you're the Mets at this point, you do have to plan for how you're going to make that happen to possibly bring in Shohei Otani. And I find it not coincidental, but I find it very factual that there's a reason why media members are asking certain players about what they feel about Shohei Otani and not in terms of how he is as a player, but how would you feel as him as a teammate? They asked Kodai Senga, right, at the All-Star break, at the All-Star game at Media Day, about that. And he, I guess, you know, Senga jokingly said he has the hat ready for him and everything like that, but, you know, there is validity there. I don't think Shohei would not want to go to the Mets, right? He has a guy in Senga that he knows there. It's obviously a big market. They want to win. They want to go out and win. So if you're the Mets, you know, are you in play for Otani? Absolutely. But now's the time, in my opinion, especially because I don't think you're going to be in it for the, for the trade deadline portion of it. I think you're going to be in it for the offseason portion of it. I think it's time you start moving your chess pieces around, making your layout work, so that that way you can be the first one at the door and the first one to get across the finish line to sign for your team. Yeah, I think you said that well, but 
I don't know if you've seen it, but why why are so many people this morning saying that he prefers a West Coast team? Um, and many are pointing sure. to the Dodgers. So are the East Coast teams even on his radar? Remember, he had a chance to go somewhere else other than the Angels, you know, when he first came over, and he chose the West Coast. So is that just where he wants to stay his entire career? Or is these are these just, you know, made-up rumors? Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but... If that's the case, and I think the Dodgers are the heavy, heavy favorite. Well, I mean, I think Shohei, to his credit, when he was asked questions about where he would want to play hypothetically, he answered everything from saying that he's vacations in the offseason in Seattle to every, everything else. I mean, he even said something about playing, like wanting to play in like Denver even. Like, I, I think he's playing it properly coy right now. I don't disagree. I, I think they're, for the most part, there's a reason why Japanese players perform better when they go to a West Coast team. Obviously, it's closer to home, everything like that. There's more, I'd say, the demographic fits better out West than out East, outside of, say, New York City, which is just a different thing altogether. But, you know, uh, I, I don't think Shohei, for an example, would, would would be a good fit in Cincinnati. <laughs> but um, that's a, you know, like I said. We'll obviously jump on that Yankee stuff when we get to the Yankee stuff. But, um, yeah, I I don't know how much I want to read into the whole entire he wants to stay to a certain place and blah, blah, blah. Because to me, I, I take more weight the comments that he wants to win at the end of the day. And it's very apparent to me anyway, he does not feel that with the Angels right now. And... And he should have known that before he Correct. went there, though. That's Correct. the funny thing. Correct. But I feel like, you know, if you're the Mets, you're going to be in play for him. Start getting those pieces ready. I don't know. Um, let's talk a couple different trade targets for the Mets here. Um, or maybe, in their case, pieces to move. Um, do we still feel the same way about, say, Scherzer and or Verlander? I know I do. Um I mentioned I, I think you got to get, like, Marte off the roster as best you can. I don't know if that's just going to be more or less you're eating the contract and you get cash considerations back, that type of deal, for a guy like him. Um, you know, the, a name that intrigues me possibly here, because I think there might be suitors for him, and I know he wants to stay in New York, but I just don't know because the Mets have guys behind him. I'm intrigued to see – how Francisco Lindor potentially plays out if the Mets go full sell at the deadline. Teams, I think, would want him, right? Obviously, there's some contract stuff that you're going to have to play with. But I think that's a name to, to, to keep an eye on, in my opinion, because switch hitting shortstop, he's a clubhouse guy in theory. But it's hard to say any of these guys with the Mets right now are clubhouse guys with the way this, this, the first half went. I'm just intrigued to see who actually will call the Mets about certain guys. And to play the other side of it here, if you're the Mets and you do end up being buyers at the deadline, who are those ones that you're going to be going after? Obviously, you can't go after, say, a guy like Marcus Stroman. I don't think he fully wants to go back to you. Um you know, would a guy like Drew Smiley maybe kind of fit the bill? I don't know. Low-end contract that you can squeeze in. He's having a good enough year. We know the Cubs, in theory, are going to be sellers at the deadline. 
I, I don't know. There's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you look at the Tigers. We know they're going to be selling. If you're the Mets, do you try and say target? And I don't think the Tigers are going to do it, but crazier things have happened. Do you try and say, like, hey, Tarek Scoovel's a nice guy. Why don't we try and – I'm guessing the price for a guy like Tarek's going to be pretty high, right? So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think at this point, for me, when I see the Mets in the trade deadline, I'm imagining more of it being Max Scherzer on the move, Starling Marte on the move. Like I said, maybe even Verlander or Francis Lindor on the move. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, I agree with you. I just, I just feel like the Mets are going to have a very quiet trade deadline. Um, I just, just from what I've heard from Steve Cohen and the way they've uh, kind of gone the first half of the year, they're just. It seems like they're just going to stand pat and let it roll, and hopefully next year, you know, it's totally different. But um, it's definitely a, a failure of a season. That's for sure. I mean, nobody expected them to be where they are right now. And, uh, yeah, they can go on a crazy run like the Phillies did last year, like the Phillies kind of have since April, or the Braves, a run like the Braves have done. But I just don't see it happening. I mean, we saw them win five in a row, and then they go go and lose the series. They lose two in a row to go into the break. They never go on that that long run. So I don't think they're going to make up ground when they keep doing that. Um, So, yeah, I, I just see it as a quiet deadline, maybe a minor trade here and there. Um, I do think they should trade Scherzer or Verlander or both, I guess. Um, but I don't think they will. It's just it's concerning that these guys are they're veteran guys and they're just pitching so bad. And I thought with that too, like yeah, you know Verlander's getting older and Scherzer's getting older. But doesn't Jeremy Hefner come into play a little bit, the pitching coach? Yeah. I mean, how is that not a, a move that they could make? You know, mm-hmm. it's just a pitching coach, but. I mean, how are uh, it's just it's crazy to me that they they're not making any sort of move. Not saying that it's going to fix it, just like the Sean Casey hiring with the Yankees, but just do something. Like, why are they just sitting here? And then if they don't do anything at the trade deadline, I'll I'll say that again. Why are they not doing anything? It's just odd to see. Usually, teams that underperform make a move. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, completely fair and just. Um. All right. Transition here a little bit. No news or updates injury wise. Uh. Outright. What was interesting, though, was we all saw break. Alexi Diaz, the brother of Edwin Diaz, said that he's actually been throwing now all of a sudden uh, from triple-digit feet, talking to 100 to 125 feet flat ground-wise. So, obviously, progression is going on there, and it's going to be really intriguing to, I, in my mind here, I don't think the rest of July, but if it gets to August, that's where I think Starf might be getting intriguing to see how he pans out for the rest of the year. Yeah, um, I, I heard that report, too. I was like, wow, he's making uh, quite a bit of progress. Um, I still, just because he, where he's at right now, you still don't know if he's going to be, you know, making a return this year. Um, and really, like, there's no point of rushing it. This team's going probably nowhere. So uh, I would actually just kind of play it safe. Like, no no rush. You know, if he doesn't make it back, he doesn't make it back. He's still, he's had a great rehab, it sounds like, and continues to go in the right direction. Definitely. All right, let's preview the weekend for the Mets. Sorry, right, kind of alluded to a little bit. They hosted Dodgers for three games. Friday night, 7-10 on Apple TV+. Plus. Julio Urias, he's 6-5 on the year. He'll be going against Justin Verlander, 3-4. Saturday on Fox at 7-15, uh, both TBDs for the moment. And then on Sunday, 140, 140 first pitch on your local Pixville or MLB Network, depending upon your market. 
to be determined for the Dodgers against Max Scherzer for the Mets. Look, optimistically here, I definitely can see the Mets pulling two or three against the Dodgers. Um, Dodgers pitching has been admittedly a bit suspect this year at certain points, and that gives me hope. But much like going into the All-Star break, what hope have the Mets given me to trust that they would get two or three? And it's none. I think they get one of three. I don't think they get swept. I do think they get one win, though, so I go one of three. You nailed it. One of three. That's what I'm going to go with. Um, don't know which game because we don't know all the pitching matchups. But, um, and we should note that they did beat the Dodgers. Remember in L.A. when Scherzer. Yeah, I mean, that was part of that West Coast trip. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not impossible. Um, and it seems like they do beat better teams sometimes. We saw that with the Diamondbacks. So maybe they do win the series, but I'm going one of three. Yeah, it's a shame. I hate being the optimistic one, just being like, I can't do it anymore. So, All right, let's talk about the Yankees here for a few minutes and their expectations for the second half. They'll enter it 49-42, and 42, fourth in the AL East, eight games back. They are, however, in a wild card slot at the moment. But out of it. Wait, I thought they were in it. Out of it. Jesus, I can't read. Yep. Anyway, um, expectations for the Yankees, I think, are a bit brighter than the Mets overall. Um, you know, at the very least, if the Yankees, <laughs> and I'm not saying this because they definitely need to make moves at the deadline, at the very least, we know Aaron Judge is coming back at some point here, right? That will improve some stuff. They've obviously, we've seen a change in the coaching staff, Lawson out, Sean Casey in. It feels a little bit brighter than obviously the Mets stuff, even though a lot of the stuff does parallel to each other. It feels like the Yankees' second half outlook is a little bit brighter than the Mets' second half outlook. Um, so, expectations. What do I expect? The sad part is I don't expect anything to be too, too much different, to be completely honest. I think the pitching is going to be still the brighter spot on this team. I think it's hard to kind of ignore it at this point. That being said, there are some, I, I'd say you're starting to see some stress fractures going on within the pitching staff, though, admittedly. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Monday, right? Marinaccio hasn't looked good the past few outings for him. Guys like that where I don't know if you really want to scrant and shuttle them just the way they've been collectively this year. I don't think that's fair to anybody involved. Um you know, so do you go out and get another arm? I would hope, you know, definitely for the bullpen. I would hope they do go out, the Yankees go out and get another arm. Um, but I expect, like I said, the pitching staff to be the bright spot. Batting, I think you'll see some improvement. But I'm not convinced. And it's not a knock on Sean Casey. It's just that I don't know if the Yankees are just structured on offense to do it. And in my mind, they aren't. But, you know, I'm sitting here in a chair, not down at 161 East River. Um, to, like I said, I just don't think the offense is structured in a way for it can't to improve the way it is right now. And this is where maybe we can intertwine a little bit of the trade stuff. I think there's going to be more available to the Yankees than, say, the Mets in terms of trade pieces to bring in for their needs only because, you know, the teams that are going to be selling at the deadline, I think they will be more willing to write off their offensive pieces and their pitching pieces. And that's not a knock on anything or anyone in particular, right? But, like, 
Elias Diaz has had a really good tryout to go and be a catcher on a contending team in the All-Star game, for example, right? And if you're the Rockies, he's a 32-year-old journeyman catcher that you're going to be able to probably snatch a decent enough high price for, but you know you aren't going to be able to probably get a ton for. As opposed to, say, oh, man, if you're like – like I mentioned, maybe with the Mets was like say a guy like Tarek Skubal, who I don't think the I don't think Detroit's would trade anyway, right? But if you are, that's going to be a hefty price to, to pony up and pay, you know. So, as much as things are brighter here, and now I'm talking to Albert, it's almost like, damn, are they actually like just as dim in a way to the Mets? I don't know. Yeah, for me, um, it starts with getting on base. I mean, we've noted how bad their on-base percentage has been with their average. Um, and I do think that might change with Sean Casey being there. Um, it seemed like with Dylan Lawson, the, the game plan every single night was to jump on uh, you know, first or second pitch, uh, jump on the first or second pitch, especially uh, first pitch fastballs. Glaber Torres it seems like he swings so many times at the first pitch and he either pops up or grounds out. And, I thought he said it well yesterday when he spoke to the media for the first time. He's noticed way too many quick outs, not working the pitcher. Um, the Yankees are at the top of the league with allowing a starter to go the longest um, this year. Um, they always allow their the opposing starting pitcher to go like six, seven innings because they don't work them. They don't, they don't work the count. Uh, so that's one thing that I think will change. Their on-base percentage will go up, and it should. Um but, yeah, it still comes down to hitting the veteran guys. Uh, you know, guys like T.J. LeMahieu and Stanton. Like, yeah, Stanton had his two-homer game, but the consistency is not there like we've seen it in the past. And Glaber, you know, he's such a streaky hitter. And, you know, when those guys aren't producing, and Rizzo hasn't homered, what, in 36 games now? Uh, like, that's actually insane. Second, Is it second longest of his career? Yeah, he's, I think he had a 44 with the Cubs. No, it was like, I think he was still with the Padres when – Actually, it had to have been – yeah, no, it had to have been the Cubs. Yeah, yep. yeah. so, I mean, that's really why we're talking about the offense right now. Those four guys – yeah, Judge is not there, but those four guys are more than capable of getting hits and putting the ball in play. And it just seems like so many strikeouts, no runners on base, and that's why they've been at the bottom of the league because of that reason. So maybe Sean Casey gets in there. You know, every hitter is different, but maybe uh, their approach changes a little bit. Maybe they get back to the old Yankees that we know where they're at the top of the league on on-base percentage. You know, and then when guys get on, you know, you can be more aggressive on the base paths. I mean, if Volpe gets on, we know what he can do on the bases. So, I mean, it's just that's why they're having so much trouble. They're not even getting on base to even try to create runs. So per- perfect little segue here. Can you guess? I just pulled it up. Sean Casey's career on-base percentage. Ooh. Over 12 years? Over 12 years. Probably double what the Yankees is right now. Well, 367 I don't think is quite double. Ooh, close though. The yeah. Yankees are like 206 yeah. since Judge has been out. Yep. Um, wow, yeah. Hopefully he does somehow change this. I know uh, he doesn't ex- have a lot of stolen bases. So I'm not going. Te- I'm not going to tease you with that one. <laughs> yeah, I know your expectations with Casey aren't like significantly high like all these Yankee fans are but maybe there will be some sort of change I think it was worth uh, worth oh, uh, at least trying yeah no I don't I don't disagree I don't think with I I do think that there's going to be some sort of change it's just that I don't I I don't want 
I'll be, I'll be the curb your enthusiasm guy here a little bit, where it's like, look, I, I just don't know if that, I don't know if that lineup is exactly constructed for there to be improvement. You know, I don't think Sean, and it's not a knock on Sean Casey, it's probably quite the opposite. I just don't think Sean, a guy like Sean Casey is going to break through to a guy like Josh Donaldson at this point. Yeah, I agree with you there. The lineup and the team's not constructed well, but there's no way they're at the bottom of the league with the A's, the Royals, the Tigers. This lineup is better than that. Like I said, the four main guys, they just have not been consistent or not clicked at the same time, mm-hmm. and that's what's killing them. I get that Judge you know, provides protection and stuff like that in the lineup, but these guys, as we hear Aaron Boone say over and over again, are more than capable of doing uh, it, oh. some damage. I mean, 3.1 runs per game. Since Judge has been out, that's just insane to think about. And look at some of the teams they're facing. They're getting shut down by some of these pitchers that are just like, wow. Like Dean Kremer? You lay off of me and Dean. Like the guy had one of the highest ERAs going into the freaking... Don't do that to me and Dean. ...into the game. And Kyle Hendricks... I'm a proud me and Dean fantasy believer. They got to Kyle Hendricks, but they lost to Jamison Tyone. Right. Like, I don't know. I just... It's hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, no. And like I said, if the pitching wasn't there, this would be so bad. I don't think people are, like, realizing this. They would be the Mets. Not even close to a playoff spot if they, if they didn't have pitching. Mm. Let's, let's do a little bit deeper dive here, I think, now that some, some dust has settled here a little bit. We know that Sean Casey's only going to be the hitting coach for the Yankees now for the rest of the year, um, and he's going to reevaluate more or less for himself. You know, if it's something that he'd want to even continue at, at, at that point. Um, what what are your expectations for him? Because it's his first time coaching. We know that he's been on MLB Network for since he retired in 2008. And we've seen him do, you know, the demonstrations and everything. I think he's great. He's one of my favorite guys from growing up. Shout out MVP Baseball 2005, right? We see from his stats, he's a pro's pro type player. Um I just think it's tough for your first ever gig like this to be coming in a situation like the Yankees right now. And I think that's why I have a lot of also kind of trepidation for saying there's just going to be big changes. I, I just, I don't know what he's going to fully offer to these guys. You know, um, we know the way it's been done the past, the past few guys, right? Whether you look at directly at Dylan Lawson or Marcus Thames or, you want to go back a little bit further to a guy who I thought got maybe a bit of a raw end of a deal at the end, but like Kevin Long even, you know, where those guys and Kevin Long's still obviously in the league and everything, but like, you know, those guys, we, we, you know, that they're tweaking stuff, you know, that they're doing stuff right for better or worse. Sometimes, you know, Sean Casey, I, I don't, I don't know because I feel like he's more of the rah-rah guy than the let's, drop your hands that centimeter and kind of see what happens from their guy well another thing that he said yesterday i don't know if you if you heard it but he thinks that mlb network over the, the the years that he's been there and you know breaking down like you mentioned swings and stuff have helped prepare him to become a hitting coach and i mean i've i've watched several videos over the last couple of days of him even breaking down a guy like alex bregman when he's been in a slump and it seems like he knows what he's talking about, and, I mean, he, he should. He played in the league for 12 years. But I get what you're saying. It's the New York Yankees, and he's coming into a uh, an offense that has just been among the worst since Judge has gone out. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't have high expectations, but I think, I think 
there will like we'll notice a little bit of change in that lineup. Just by like I said a little bit uh, a little bit ago, like their approach, I think their on base percentage will go up. Um, and I mean, this sounds like a broken record, but when the Yankees hit home runs, they win games. I mean, look at the little hot streak they had in May. When they hit home runs, they win games, and that's sometimes what they don't do. So maybe uh, maybe uh, that something like that changes where you know they just relax a little more. You know, they have a new a, a, a new voice in the clubhouse. Um, maybe some changes with their stance like Volpe will help. But, uh, yeah, I don't think stuff will change, though, for a guy like Donaldson. Yeah. Josh Donaldson's a lost cause at this point. Um, I don't care if he hits home runs here and there. It's not good enough. He has, what, three singles, four singles on the season? It's a home run or nothing. And, uh, you know, he's, he really kills our on-base percentage, too, just standing there looking at strike three. Um but, yeah, uh, I do like the Sean Casey hiring. And if I'm guessing right now, I think he will be uh, brought back in the offseason. Yeah, let's, uh, let's transition over here talk trade deadline and stuff like that for the Yankees. Uh, I think this is where we can talk about Shohei Otani a little bit, too, for the Yankees because kind of came out this morning a little bit. I'm just going to call it more or less that the Yankees are supposed to take a run at him, honestly, here at the deadline. Um, I don't know. You don't want to hear my thoughts on this, about I, this rumor. This are we possibly on the same path here? Because, like, I just don't see how might it's be. possible. Oh, no. Oh, no, we aren't. It's about what Buster only, like, okay. said. Gotcha. I guess I'm looking more at the actual, like, I don't know how it's, like, feasibly, like, going to happen type thing. But, um, look, if I'm the Yankees anyway, I would just rather wait until the off season to be completely honest. Uh, excuse me. Um only because I, I look at Shohei Otani, right, and just once in a generation type thing, even more than once in a generation, right? And, you know, obviously, like we said, the Mets are will be in play for him. We know the West Coast teams are will be in play for him. I don't think you can exclude Chicago still or anything like that just because it's a big market and, you know, they always kind of glints and glamours a little bit. But I did find it interesting, the timing of how that thing got released this morning, I, admittedly because of producing and stuff going on here I couldn't fully get into it but um yeah I to me I just don't see how it's possible at the deadline anyway yeah uh to me uh I guess I'll go on a little rant here have at it um I like Buster only you know he's a great reporter he breaks a lot of news but what he said this morning is not news at all if Shohei Otani becomes available other Almost every team, except the ones that are literally out, will probably be making a call to at least see what it would take to, you know, to get him um, at, the, at the deadline. So what he said this morning, why wouldn't Brian Cashman make a call if he becomes available? Just to see what they would ask for. That This morning, like, Yankee fans are going nuts over this. This isn't news. This is speculation. Listen to his words. I just can't believe that Yankee fans are thinking that, like, they're all in on Shohei Otani. No, they're going to make a call to see what it would take, and if they if they like it, they'll do it. But also, why would you trade away? I get it that their Buster only said their window's closing. You know, their guys are in their, their primes right now of their careers. But why would you give up almost half the farm system for a guy that's only going to be there for three months? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to probably try to re-sign him but do you know how much that no guy's going to get? There's no guarantee of that anyway either. So three months of Shohei Otani, yeah, that would be great. But is he really going to fix the entire Yankees roster? Right. 
like, yeah, he's going to be – that's going to be a major improvement to the lineup, to the pitching, the starting rotation. But the Yankees have more uh, holes to fill than just that. He'll be one position. And as we know in baseball, not one guy can carry a team all the time. Right. Except Aaron Judge does it sometimes, which Paris is insane. I think I worry, too. I think this is, like, the really big baseball game. I, mean, like, I worry the Yankees aren't going to let him be two-way either. Um, yeah, I mean, the rental issue of it's tough. I, and that's why I just don't think it's possible. Like, you really are going to auction off your future for three months, and that's, that's the only guarantee you got, right? It's three months. And even then, it certainly does not guarantee you the World Series. But don't you get where I'm coming from with the whole thing, though, with Buster only? That's not news. Right. Every team would check check in on a player. I mean, we right. see this in every league. It seems like a lot of people just don't know how it is behind closed doors with the whole GM position mm-hmm. and the way things work. And I just, I mean, look, go ahead and read Twitter after this. It's actually amazing how fans are like overreacting on this. Yeah. No, I, I I bet. I mean, it's it's typical, typical sports piranha, water type shit at this point. Um. I did want to get your opinion on this before we transition over here and look at the weekend for the Yankees. What did you make of the uh, the jersey patch? Uh, because I guess I'm in the one in the minority in the hot take here. I don't have a problem with it. Um, it was bound to happen. I don't know why. I don't know why Yankee some Yankee fans thought that Hal would never quote unquote sell out. But I mean, this is a thing that all teams are going to have eventually or within the next year year and a half at this point. So I. I don't have a problem with it. I don't find it tacky. It's a blue patch on a jersey that has blue on it anyway. Like, I, I don't see a problem with it. Star insurance. Uh, that was a little surprise to me. Um, I don't really have a problem with it. Um, obviously, they're making more money from it, so whatever. Uh, but I get uh, people's point, you know. It's the Yankees jersey. It's historic. But whatever, like, at some point, we're in 2023, stuff's changing. This isn't the 1900s anymore. Um, and then, like, people are, like, on Twitter saying, like, oh, Yankee Stadium's eventually going to have a new name. It's not going to be Yankee Stadium because they're going to get uh, more money by changing its name. It's like, come on, guys. Like, let's stop overreacting And that's here. also the purpose, though, of naming rights is the fact that, like, Hal Steimer doesn't want to be the one that's having to pay everything for the stadium, right? It's... And then people are like, oh, more money for Shohei Otani. Like, haha, funny. Which isn't how that works either. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. There's just so many people that don't know the business right. side of things and whatever. Yeah. No, I, I hear you there. All right. No uh, no injury roster moves uh, since we've, since we were here. Oh, is there one? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Are we going to get into Juan Soto before we move on or no? Do you want to do that? I mean, I yeah, thought Yeah, because he's just... more likely than Shohei, but. I guess, but I thought that was just. Jeter on Fox being being on Fox type thing. I didn't take anything really into waiting for it. I mean, you saw the bit that Poppy did afterwards anyway. That's why I was like, yeah, it's a bit, whatever. I mean, I don't think Jeter's comments have anything to do with, like, the Yankees' interest in it. But, like, do you think the Padres would at least see what they could get for him and the Yankees would at least call? That's what I would think would happen. I don't think... I don't necessarily think they're going to 100% get him or even 50% chance of getting him. I just think the Yankees would make a call if they heard that he was available. Yeah, I mean, I suppose maybe. I mean, they, they were they were kicking the tires on him last 
deadline when this was happening. So and it would definitely make the team much yeah. better. I mean, I I don't know. I I just I don't see. Is he making twenty three million this year? Yeah, yeah. And the the money issue of it's what what worries me more than anything else. But I think Cody Bellinger is still more realistic for them. Yeah. In terms of like the money and the contract and stuff I, and what they would give up. Dare I say even Chris Bryant, I think is more realistic still. Yeah. I mean, I'd love Juan Soto. I just I do think it's more likely than Shohei. Um, but now Yankee fans, you know, got their hopes up. Shohei or freaking uh, Soto. Hair or die. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I just want to kind of mention it, I guess, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Fans are going nuts over it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just saw it was more a bit. But, I mean, hey, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Another nice lefty bat oh. to add yeah. to the stadium. Yeah. All right, so the Yankees are on the road to start the second half of the year in Colorado Friday Night, 8.40, first pitch on yes. Carlos Rodon goes for his second start of the year, looking for his first win against Austin, <laughs> Austin Gomber. What happens when you trip over with the enunciations there sometimes? <laughs> He's 7-7 seven and seven on the year. Saturday, 8-10 on yes. Clark Schmidt against Connor Siebold. And then Sunday, Garrett Cole against Chase Anderson. Uh, Sunday, seven, or 3-10, first pitch on yes. So, um, it's um, it, this one's interesting. I really want to say sweep. They I, I they cannot, have to. I cannot describe to you how bad I want to say sweep, but I'm gonna have to check myself. I think it's two of three. Yeah, I mean you're probably gonna be right, just the way things have gone. But thank God, it would be so nice to see a sweep out of the break. They need it. This Rockies team is 23 games above 500. They are at Coors Field. It's above 500. <laughs> you mean below? <laughs> below. Sorry, I misspoke. I was. I have so many numbers in front of me. I know you do. It's wild. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, it needs to be a sweep. Um, if it doesn't, at least take the series. Anything less would be a major disappointment. But we've seen them do this before, so actually wouldn't be surprising. Um, but if they're going to turn a corner, they need to do this. And I don't know if you've looked ahead too further than this, but their first 11 games, um, out of this All Star break are against teams that are below 500. they got to take advantage of this. Yeah. And the last two are against the Mets at Yankee Stadium of this stretch. Mm-hmm. And remember what happened last time they played them. Yep. They should have swept. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think this 11-game stretch coming up is huge, and that will lead right into the All-Star break. If they go, say, like 8-3, and three, which would be outstanding, um, maybe that will make uh, Cashman be even more aggressive. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, big 11-game uh, big stretch ahead. All right, so let's uh, talk for a second here because we can't forget Rochester and Syracuse, they get going again here tomorrow on Friday as well. Uh, and it is in Syracuse where the S-Mets are hosting the Red Wings for the weekend. It's only three games as they come out of the break. Another week, long stuff. Only ra- major really note to make for the Red Wings is uh, Lucius Fox activated off the injured list uh, a couple days ago. So he'll rejoin the active roster there. Through a cup. Dual the dishes. Bunch of different names going for this one. It's always exciting. There's an awesome little social media battle going back and forth between the teams right now. Um, and these games are always fun, right, because you, you tend to actually do get some fans who travel to these games uh, from the visiting uh, section. Uh, I still think Rochester will get two of three if we're doing an outright prediction. That's just my opinion. But um, these games are always fun. Always all the All-Star break, too. You never know what, what might happen for them, right? Normally, AAA does have an All-Star game. Third consecutive year, they didn't have one. Um, I guess technically fourth consecutive year, if you want to count 2020, that they didn't have one. Um, so these guys are rested. They're going to be ready to go. You never know if mentality has changed a little bit with the 
pretty much random week off for these guys who are normally on the move consistently. Uh, so it should be an exciting time. I know uh, Rochester is back at Innovative Field next week at least, so uh, plenty of opportunity to at least get to one of these games coming up here on either side, uh, definitely. But, um, yeah, it should be an interesting weekend series for these two teams. Yeah, well, here's a bold prediction. Uh-oh. I don't know why I'm going to say this, but the Syracuse Mets oh, no. are going to sweep the Rochester Red Wings. My God. And I don't know how they're going to do it because of how you know rough it's been to open up this second half, but I'm just feeling it. I just feel like something has changed. They had this little break, and they're going to come out hot, swinging the bats, and it's going to propel them to a sweep. So we'll see what happens. You know, I'm not always right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm feeling a sweep. A little bit of a bold prediction heading out uh, before we head out on this show. You're nuts. I love it, but it's a way to live. All right, so that will do it for Concrete Jungle for today. Um, admittedly, I don't know what we're going to be doing Monday. I have an appointment in Rochester that kind of throws everything for a loop. Um, so I'm, I'm not too sure what the plans will hold on Monday for next week. But uh, nonetheless, I'm sure we will tr attempt to do something here as the Internet has gone down. <laughs> so that'll happen. Too, it's happened a lot here. Yeah. But it'll be right back. Hopefully. Because I'm trying to load so I can. There we go. We're back online, baby. So, yeah. Um, not sure what we're going to do Monday exactly. Um, like I said, appointment middle of the day kind of really throws a wrench, especially when I have to go up to Rochester for it. But uh, tis life, tis adulthood, right? Uh, baseball on tap for you this weekend, Kyle. Just go hang out, watch some, or anything major planned? Yeah, and just continuing uh, being a stat nerd all over <laughs> Twitter. Nothing wrong with it. Um, big stat guy. Um, love love looking the stats. So, yeah, just a lot of baseball. Um, probably get outside a little bit too. I think it's going to be nice for the most part. Um, so yeah, what about you? Anything big? No, I get. I have a root canal. Uh, when we get done with this, I get to go do that. Uh, the the summer league I help out with all star game is tomorrow night, Friday night in Batavia Dwyer Stadium. Ooh, I played there. Before. Where where they are actually playing in an exhibition, the All Stars against the Muck Dogs. And then um, Sunday I have uh, the league itself, right and. Uh, you know, Kyle, if you're not if you're not busy, we're actually going to be close by. We'll be at Colburn Park for a doubleheader beginning at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning for our game, for our league. So, wow. Go catch me in the third base box for that. So, okay. Yeah. Yankees 310 that day. Maybe I'll uh, See? head over. Yeah. We move pretty quick, or we attempt to. So, All right, yeah, so appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, like I said, not too sure what we're going to be looking like on Monday, but uh, we'll try and get something out at the very least at some point. Uh, enjoy the weekend, and everybody be safe, have some fun, and we'll talk with everybody later.